Good, thank you very much. Welcome to everyone online. Anybody in the room never been to this particular group before? Oh good, a bunch of you. So first of all, welcome. And second, let us warn you in advance, you're liable to experience us just a little different than other meetings of other fellowships you may have attended in the past. And the primary reason that's liable to happen is that we intend for you to have a very different experience here. What we do here is we take a look at the suggested instruction for a step or so a week directly out of this book. And we use this book in 12-step recovery. Why? The process described by the authors of this book has been proven to work with addicts of the hopeless variety, addicts to alcohol and other substances. So what we do here is not tell you what the book says because that's none of my business what this book says to you. But what I do attempt to do is show you what it says to me. I show you how I find my experience in it and encourage you to have your experience with it. And if we both do our job, we will share a spiritual experience in this room tonight and online too, folks. So how many of you in the room have been here before and can witness for these folks, show of hands, that we do share a spirit in here? So with, with the show of hands and the hooting and hollering, they're letting you know that when we discover this power within us, it has a sensory expression. And when you feel it, I'll know, I'll call it to your attention because we would teach you to talk to you about the power we call God without giving you a demonstration of that power. Fair enough? And it's inevitable that we're going to encounter power tonight because step two is the encounter, right? So let's, without waiting any longer, let's dive in. And those of you that are reading along in a book, go to chapter four, page 44. Little chapter called We Agnostics. You guys with me? Everybody there? All right, so it says in the preceding chapters, you've learned something of alcoholism. So how many of you learned something of alcoholism by reading the earlier chapters? How many of you learned something of alcoholism by lived experience? Which one taught you more? Lived experience. All this was is allowing us to recognize that we weren't alone in our defeat. Yeah? Okay. So we hope we've made clear the distinction between the alcoholic and the non-alcoholic. Have they made it clear? What is the distinction between the alcoholic and the non-alcoholic? Yeah, you got an abnormal reaction. You got this allergy. How many of you think that allergy story is a little weird? Yeah, we get weird because it hasn't been shown to people. How many of you are drinkers? Did you ever find that alcohol energized you? It's a sedative. So that's an abnormal reaction to a sedative. So a medical person looking at that would say, my, that's curious. That may be the manifestation of an allergy. And if that's the case, that sets you apart as a distinct entity. And that was last week's experience. And now, if you think that you might fit into that class, then the only thing left to do is see what the rest of the book reads until you decide to get off the train, right? Okay. So it says, if you, when you honestly want to, you find you cannot quit entirely, or if when drinking you have little control over the amount you take, you're probably alcoholic. Are any of those true for you? Which did you discover first? Some people try and stop and stay stopped and find they cannot. 
Is that true for some? And some people get very disturbed by their loss of control when drinking, and so it scares them away. Okay. So if either are the case, it said you're probably alcoholic, they still haven't diagnosed us. That means we're going to have to read further. So if that be the case, you may be suffering from an illness which only a spiritual experience will conquer. Did you know that they didn't say spiritual ideology, concepts? They're talking to us about an experience. If I am this alcoholic, then perhaps the only spiritual solution to a spiritual problem is a more powerful spirit. I didn't drink over and over again because of the theory or the theology of how it was going to make me feel. I didn't stare at it and worship it, wondering what it was like. I drank it, and I experienced the flow of the Spirit. And I was so familiar with it that just seeing it, I knew what I was going to experience, and I started experiencing it before I drank it. Sounds like we better encounter a really powerful power if you are relating with me. Okay? So to one who feels he's an atheist or agnostic, such an experience seems impossible. So do I have some people who have felt that they may be atheists or agnostic? Does such an experience seem impossible? Yeah, it does seem impossible to people who believe that God cannot, does not exist or can't be proven to exist, yeah? Okay, so they knew that. These guys laid out a case. He was a stock analyst, guys. He, he was a famous agnostic. But he found by his experience and the experience of the first 100 and their experience with the first several thousand that it was more logical to believe than not to believe based on his experience. And he laid it out, just like a stock analyst case. So we're going to do exactly that for you. And regardless of your belief system, you'll encounter power, then you can decide. Does it make sense? Okay. So he says to continue as he is means disaster, especially if he's an alcoholic of the hopeless variety. Have any of you concluded that could be you? Yeah. Could be. Depends on when you ask, right? Okay. So to be doomed to an alcoholic death or to live on a spiritual basis are not always easy alternatives to face. Why does Sean think that's funny? Happy, joyous, and free. Alcoholic death. Pick one. Can I have a few days to think it over? Okay. So it is a little silly, isn't it? Okay. But it isn't so difficult. About half our original fellowship were of exactly that type. So what are they saying? What type? Atheists or agnostic declared. Not the ones that sit silently and say, well, this is bullshit. I'm talking about the ones that declare it's bullshit. But they also were neck deep in their own shit. And they knew that they weren't getting out on their own power, right? Okay. So at first, some of us tried to avoid the issue, hoping against hope we were not true alcoholics. Any of you get there? Yeah, it's not safe to have even one. Yeah, not picking up, not even one. Perhaps I overreacted. <laughs> you ever been that guy? Okay. But after a while, we had to face the fact that we must find a spiritual basis of life or else. 
Perhaps it's going to be that way with you. Notice there's no earnestness to persuade you because we are not the persuaders. Okay? But cheer up. Something like half of us thought we were atheist or agnostic. Our experience shows that you need not be disconcerted. So what did they separate there for us? My thoughts from my experience, because no matter what I think to be true, when I experience it for myself, I now I'm moving in truth. Does that make sense? Have you ever had that happen? You thought something was true, and then you had an experience that proved you that what you thought was true was not true, and what you thought untrue was true? So that's what they're describing. So they're not asking you to believe blindly. They're asking you just to be honest with yourself about the experience you're having. Okay. So... If a mere code of morals or a better philosophy of life were sufficient to overcome alcoholism, many of us would have recovered long ago. How many of you tried new code of morals, philosophies? But we found that such codes and philosophies did not save us no matter how much we tried. We could wish to be moral. We could wish to be philosophically comforted. In fact, we could will these things with all our might, but the needed power wasn't there. How many of you have found, even though you didn't really believe that you were powerless over the drug, that you were powerless over the ability to philosophically comfort yourself when you were in emotional and mental spin? This is power to philosophically comfort human beings, which means I no longer need to medicate because now I'm philosophically comforted from within instead of out here. Sound like a reasonable solution to a spiritual problem? We better read further. Our human resources, as marshaled by the will, were not sufficient. They failed utterly. Lack of power, that was our dilemma. What is a dilemma? It's more than a problem. It's a problem with two apparently undesirable outcomes or alternatives. So I'm looking at dying of addiction... That's going to suck, but I know it. Spiritual life, got no clue. I'm thinking suck too. Right? So this is a dilemma, but I cannot deny the lack of power. Yeah? Okay. So that's where they are. We had to find a power by which we could live. You notice how they didn't say I had to find a power by which I could not pick up no matter what? takes no power to not do. Anyone that told you that's not telling you the truth. It takes no power to not do. But when I'm trying to kill myself on the installment plan, I really need to find a power to live because I think what I'm feeding me is giving me life, and it's not. It's snatching my life. So I need power to live, which I don't possess apparently because my activities would define me as otherwise. Yes? Okay, obviously, but where and how are we to find this power? Well, where and how are we to find this power? We hate to leave a room full of addicts in suspense, so we're going to go immediately to page 55. <laughs> the tweakers will have the furniture apart if you leave them too long. <laughs> True, right? There's a few of them here. They're like, yeah, I already got my stuff out. <laughs> okay. So page 55. Second paragraph, actually, we were fooling ourselves. For deep down in every man, woman, and child is the fundamental idea of God. So, where and how? They've just answered where. Where, where are we going to go looking? 
deep down inside, as long as you're either man, woman, or child, or some combination thereof, yeah? Okay? Where have we been looking for our happiness? That's why they said actually we were fooling ourselves because we were trying to find happiness in the world. It's not out there. I've got to take my happiness with me if I hope to be happy wherever I land. Right? Okay. So it says it may be obscured by calamity, by pomp, by worship of other things, but in some form or other it's there. So the way I respond to the world, the way the world's treated me, those things have clouded my consciousness of this idea that God has placed within me. And don't don't believe some of the deceptions that we've been taught over the years that you create the creator. Write down aspects of God you want to believe he is, all that silly stuff. Sorry, guys, it's not good for the created to create the creator. It's very limiting. They said the fundamental idea of God was deep down within me. That's not where my ideas come from. But inside me, what I will discover is perhaps purpose. Perhaps a well of things that might be useful in a walk that would bring purpose and passion back to me, which might inspire a power to live to drive me instead of a fear that's been driving me the other way. Yeah? Okay. So for faith in a power greater than ourselves and miraculous demonstrations of that power in human lives are facts as old as man himself. We finally saw that faith in some kind of God was a part of our makeup just as much as the feeling we have for a friend. So they're starting to disclose to us that sensory nature. How many of you have had a friend? <laughs> Everyone's had a friend, yeah? How'd that friend make you feel? Did you sometimes really connect deep? They could make you feel miserable. They could make you feel really butterfly. Whatever. We're not saying that the power is a feeling. What we are saying is your awareness of the feeling is the power. The, uh, that's, that's proof you're living when you're feeling. Does it make sense? And the power to live animates us, and as we start to feel and realize we are not our feelings and we are not our thoughts, and yet we're having these experiences for the benefit of others, then we start to get purposeful. Yeah? Okay? Sometimes we had to search fearlessly, but he was there, capital H. We went from his idea for me to the reality of him in me. When did that happen? At the completion of a searching and fearless moral inventory, which is why I might want to consider four after I've encountered this power in two. Does that so they, half of them atheists or agnostics. Here's what their witness is now. He was as much a fact as we were. We found the great reality deep down within us. In the last analysis, it's only there that he may be found. It was so with us. Half atheists or agnostics. The other half religious people dying in addiction, all of them encountered the power, all of them told the story, all of them looked at what had been blocking their consciousness, all of them collectively bear witness to the promises throughout the book. New freedom, new happiness, not regret the past nor wish to shut the door on it. Yeah? Okay. All right, so let's go back to page 45, and we're now back in the middle of the page, it says, well, that's exactly what this book is about. Its main object is to enable you to find a power greater than yourself, which will solve your problem. Notice how it didn't say you were going to solve your problem. It has to be a power greater than me, and the power will solve my problem. How many of you have tried to solve your problem with the mind that created it? 
How many of you have solved your drinking problem with a little methamphetamine solution? No more problem. When stone cold sober, how many of you have solved your problem with mind creative? Any of you ever solved a job problem with joblessness? More than once. Okay, so we're, we're there. The power is going to solve our problem. That means we've written a book which we believe to be spiritual as well as moral. And it means, of course, that we're going to talk about God. Now, it's useful here because we're coming to believe in power in this step. So some of us are atheists or agnostics to begin with. So when I say God, you say power. It's important that you follow along here. Because we're going to say God a few times, and I don't want to lose anybody, so I want you to say power. So anyone that's, because all of us believe in power, right? If you don't, get something metal, stick it in the socket. We'll, you will come to believe. Okay. Here, difficulty arises with agnostics. Many times we talk to a new man and watch his hope rise and we discuss his alcoholic problems and explain our fellowship. They differentiate between their program, which is in the book, and our fellowship, where people are free to do and say pretty much any silly thing they want to. So we might want to, if we are a hopeless variety, we might want to stick to the book for our program and our go to the fellowship for our fellowship. Yeah, exactly. But his face falls when we speak of spiritual matters, especially when we mention God. No, you're doing good. Doing really good. Thank you. For we reopened a subject which our man thought he had neatly evaded or entirely ignored. You relate to that? Look, I'm in recovery. I ain't doing nothing. I'm going to the job. They're sort of not mad at me anymore. I'll just set that God thing over here. Right? Power. And I forgot lack of power was my dilemma, not lack of theology, lack of relationship. See, the problem is without the relationship with this power we call God, I believe that I'm separated. That problem's already been solved, but I don't know it's a problem, so I don't know there was a solution. Any of you just didn't know there was a solution to your addiction? Yeah, yeah, it's crazy, huh? All right. So we know how he feels. We've shared his honest doubt and prejudice. Some of us have been violently anti-religious. To others, the word God brought up a particular... Good, very good. I'll, go, I'll try and slow down for you. Brought up a, a particular idea of him with which someone had tried to impress them during childhood. Any of you get a little jaundiced about power because somebody had acted less than kind and... Yeah. And you sort of assigned them. How many of you didn't like recovery because you found out we were human here, too? <laughs> okay. Perhaps we rejected this particular conception because it seemed inadequate. With that rejection, we imagined we had abandoned the God idea, the power idea, entirely. See, it's so important we don't lose because half of our fellowship initially, in the case we're laying out, is everyone believes in power, not everyone believes in God. But we are going to introduce you to the synonymous nature of those two terms because once you know the power, the power will inform you what to call it. Okay? So we were bothered with the thought that faith and dependence upon a power beyond ourselves was somewhat weak, even cowardly. We looked askance at this world of warring individuals, warring theological systems, and inexplicable calamity with deep skepticism. 
we looked askance at many individuals who claim to be godly. Okay, very good. You're doing really good. <laughs> How could a supreme being have anything to do with it all? When there's a question mark, they're asking a common question. They want us to get introspective. Eyesight without insight is spiritual blindness. So if you've had these things going on, ask yourself the question. If I fought that, who could comprehend a supreme being anyhow? The supreme being and the supreme being alone could comprehend a supreme being. Why do we spend so much time trying to do it? And believing people who tell us they can do it. Any of you ever met someone who could comprehend a supreme being and told you all about its nature? Did it seem a little bit unbelievable? Well, it was entirely unbelievable. Because nobody can comprehend a supreme being. But we've all tried, yes? The supreme being will inform us who the supreme being is and what its nature is, right? All right, so yet in other moments we found ourselves thinking when enchanted by a starlit night, who then made all this? How many of you have had that awe-inspiring moment? Out in nature, saw something, almost seemed like you were outside of yourself seeing something. They describe it as there was a feeling of awe and wonder, but it was fleeting and soon lost. Bill describes it in the cemetery on his way over to World War I, and he looked at the guy's grave stone who had survived war and drank himself to death and he was very frightened about going to war and he he prayed to a god he didn't believe in and the spirit came on him at once but then it was soon lost because it was blotted out by worldly clamors any of you ever okay how many because this is important how many of you have been in a dangerous situation in this crowd that ought to be a no-brainer Did you notice how time seemed to slow down? When that happened, you experienced your consciousness. How about anything athletic? Have you guys ever done the perfect play, the perfect dive, the perfect throw, the perfect shot? Do you notice when you did it, you, you saw it all the way through? It was like no thought or effort. You, you, you just knew what it, was, what it was. When that happened, you experienced your intuitive self. It all makes sense? Some of you felt that. Who felt that? So this is, this is what we're going to improve consciousness of, not a theory, an experience. And that experience will then inform our steps. Okay? Okay. Yes, we have agnostic temperament have had these thoughts and experiences. So did everyone who cared to share those thoughts or experiences? Okay? We found that as soon as we were able to lay aside prejudice and express even a willingness to believe in a power greater than ourselves, by now, the power has a capital P. Think they did that by accident? No, because no, they're interchangeable. We come to know power before we come to know God. We have an encounter, and then we have an education and a life that follows. There's no point in explaining something that I've never encountered, because I can't possibly understand. And once I've had the encounter, no explanation's necessary. Does that make sense? Okay. So... We found that as soon as we were able to lay aside prejudice and express even a willingness to believe in a power greater than ourselves, we commenced to get results, even though it was impossible for any of us to fully define or comprehend that power, which is God. Power. Now they made them interchangeable. Did you notice that? And see, it's so important that we tell people that, because over the years, people have said, you can believe anything you want. Well, of course you can believe anything you want, but you'll die in it. 
The power is found within. It's sensory. It's expressive. It's power, peace, happiness, a sense of direction flowing in. It replaces my need for worldly things if I follow some simple directions. Why would we cheat them by saying, pick a light bulb or a doorknob? How about a group of drunks? Unless you swallow those motherfuckers, they ain't down inside you. I digress. <laughs> Much to our relief, we discovered we need not consider, consider another's conception of God. Why do, I not need to, why do I not need to consider their conception? None of us can fully define or comprehend. Why am I so bothered by other people's conceptions when I'm having this powerful experience? This power is, is it's powerful enough within me to let you say what you say, right? Okay. So our own conception, however inadequate, was sufficient to make the approach and effect a contact with him. As soon as we admitted the possible existence of a creative intelligence, a spirit of the universe underlying the totality of things, we began to be possessed by a new sense of power and direction, provided we took other simple steps. Promising condition. New sense of power and direction, provided take other simple steps. What do you imagine they are? Gee, I'm in two, perhaps three through 12 would be indicated. You notice how you got new direction right away? I even know where I'm going looking. Already, in two, I know where I'm going looking. We found that God does not make too hard terms with those who seek him. To us, the realm of the spirit is broad, roomy, all-inclusive, never exclusive or forbidding to those who earnestly seek. It's open, we believe, to all men. When, therefore, we speak to you of God, we mean your own conception of And guys, when we talk about your conception, we want, don't want to leave you at a conception because we're witnessing to the experience. We're witnessing to where and how. We're witnessing to what I was like, what happened as a result of this encounter, and what I'm like now. Right? Okay. So this applies, too, to other spiritual expressions which you find in this book. Do not let any prejudice you may have against spiritual terms deter you from honestly asking yourself what they mean to you. So if you're bothered by a word, don't change the word. Get a dictionary, look up a definition that doesn't bother you, change your mind. They agreed on every word. We don't change this because that's not my testimony, it's not your testimony, it's their testimony. That's why the book is called Alcoholics Anonymous, the story of how many thousands of men and women have recovered. It's their story. I don't change it to fit me. That's what I've been doing all my life. That's why I was in Joe's Anonymous for so long. <laughs> yeah, it was lonely. <laughs> okay. At the start, this was all we needed to commence spiritual growth, to affect our first conscious relation with God as we understood him. Now, you've got to get this. Another thing we've told people over the years, this is a God of your understanding. No, it's not. That's not what they said. There we, we're not. The God they understood was a conscious relation, an awareness of being aware. My first conscious relation was my encounter. And then I took some other simple steps, and I came to know me, I came to know you, and I came to know the power we call God as a result of the experience. Make sense? And then I knew the God that they understood, and I also know why they always wrote it in past tense. You ever notice that? As we understood him? Because after the encounter... The, it's never static. The God I understood then is not the God I understand today. 
Okay. So afterward, we found ourselves accepting many things which then seemed entirely out of reach. How many of you had that happen? Oh, now I know what those people are talking about. I can see that happening. Yeah, okay. That was growth, but if we wished to grow, we had to begin somewhere. So our own conception, however limited it was, is where we start. So we start with your conception. We introduce you to power. When you have the experience, we call it to your attention. Now that you've you've been introduced to the power, you're going to need that power to go inward because none of us want to go there. Right? But now I know that I need that, and I'm going to go in there because desperation will send me in there. And since I got a power greater than me going in with me, when I balk, in he goes. Okay, all right. We needed to ask ourselves but one short question. Do I now believe or am I even willing to believe that there's a power greater than myself? Guys, it's at this point that we need to tell people the truth. If you're in a room of recovery and you don't believe there's any power greater than you, what the fuck are you wasting valuable high time for? Because the heroin, the methamphetamine, the cocaine, or the alcohol has proven to be a power greater than you, or you wouldn't have joined our club. <laughs> and we... Anyway. Okay. As soon as a man can say that he does believe or is willing to believe, we emphatically assure him that he's on his way. How could they be so emphatic in their assurance? Because they knew. They got the signature of the Spirit. They got it confirmed. That guy's on his way. How many of you working with people have had that experience? I don't know what the way looks like. It's probably going to be bumpy like mine. But I know that if he's had the encounter, he is on his way. Right? Okay. It has been repeatedly proven among us that upon this simple cornerstone, a wonderfully effective spiritual structure can be built. What cornerstone? The willingness I encountered when I ran into power. I ran into power and it converted to me as willingness. And all of a sudden I was able to do things seemingly that I wasn't even the least bit interested in doing before. Okay. That was great news to us, for we'd assume we could not make use of spiritual principles unless we accepted many things on faith which seemed difficult to believe. How many of you are there? We hear the religiosity and we're like, put it away. Yeah, we, we've done a terrible job in helping people see everyone thinks that way. Even the religious people think that way. Even religious people don't like religious people. And, and <laughs> true. So, so what we're trying to do is encounter power and then let the power do what the power does. We're just, we're just instruments. Okay. So when people presented us with spiritual approaches, how frequently did we all say, I wish I had what that man has. I'm sure it would work if I could only believe as he believes. How many of you have had that experience? Let me tell you a secret to that. If you see it, if you feel it, and you want it, you already have it. You're just asleep. So allow us to wake you up. Huh? There's a process. Follow the process. Get into the life of service as suggested in this book. Don't be a reader. Don't be a quoter. Be a doer. Okay? But I cannot accept as surely true the many articles of faith which are so plain to him. So it was comforting to learn that company to learn that we could commence at a simpler level. Besides the seeming inability to accept much on faith, we often found ourselves handicapped by obstinacy, sensitiveness, and unreasoning prejudice. Have any of you ever found yourself handicapped by such things? 
How many of you have heard, have you been around long enough to hear people say, I'm sensitive because I'm alcoholic? <laughs> I used to hear that. I don't know, maybe we made fun of them long enough, they don't do it anymore. <laughs> we're, we're not sensitive because we're alcoholic, but because I'm alcoholic, my sensitivity is killing me, which is why I'd want to improve consciousness, and so I would know who I really was and whose I was, and then I wouldn't be overrun by thoughts and emotions. I would just be the experiencer of them. Okay, so... Many of us have been so touchy that even a casual reference to spiritual things made us bristle with antagonism. How many of you are in that class? So where did the, where did the antagonism emanate from? Deep down inside? So even if you're mad at power, you have to believe in something to be mad at it. I, we say we can't believe, but that's not true. You just got to be honest with your experience, Right? So this sort of thinking had to be abandoned. Though some of us resisted, we found no great difficulty in casting aside such feelings. Faced with alcoholic destruction, we soon became as open-minded on spiritual matters as we'd tried to be on other questions. In this respect, alcohol was a great persuader. It finally beat us into a state of reasonableness. How many of you got reasonable at some point in your active addiction? Everyone to a man or woman, right? There's really not that many people shagging our ass into these meetings. That's alcohol, methamphetamine, cocaine, heroin. That's their job, right? And then we come in reasonable for... <laughs> so, sometimes this was a tedious process. Any of you discover the tedium in life as an active, active alcoholic or addict? We hope no one else will be prejudiced for as long as some of us were, the reader may still ask why he should believe in a power greater than himself. See how they're laying out a case? All this stuff you say is true and ha ha, but I ain't buying that bullshit. I've met those people. Okay, so they're gonna lay out the case even further. So we think there are good reasons, let's take a look at them. The practical individual today is a stickler for facts and results, nevertheless, the 20th century readily accepts theories of all kinds provided they're firmly grounded in fact. Is that you? Show me the fact. Okay. We have numerous theories, for example, about electricity. Everybody believes them without a murmur of doubt. Why this ready acceptance? So we believe in electrical theory even if we don't fully comprehend it because we've experienced the effect of electricity, which is apparently the phenomena attached to electrical theory, yes? So our understanding may be greater or lesser, but we believe in electrical That's why I will walk back and I'll change the setting on the thermostat and I won't stare at it because I don't believe it. I'll go sit the fuck down because I know. So I'm, I'm already operating in an element of faith. Okay. So why this ready acceptance? Simply because it's impossible to explain what we see, feel, direct, and use without a reasonable assumption as a starting point. So I'm thinking and I'm looking for God out here and what they told me is God's idea for me is found within me and once I do a searching and fearless moral inventory at the moment I discover my purpose, the power to carry it out is immediately evident. Any of you have a similar experience and no one explained it to you? Okay. So everybody nowadays believes in scores of assumptions for which there's good evidence but no 
perfect visual proof, and does not science demonstrate the visual proof is the weakest proof? So another question, right? I don't necessarily believe everything I see, especially in this age, right? Okay, it's being constantly revealed as my, mankind studies the material world that outward appearances are not inward reality at all. To illustrate, the prosaic steel girder is a mass of electrons whirling around each other at incredible speeds. These tiny bodies are governed by precise laws, and these laws hold true throughout the material world. Science tells us so. We have no reason to doubt it. So all they're saying, a prosaic is just a, it's, it means really nothing. It's unimaginative. It's just a, a girder, the support member. And we see the support member, but we know intellectually that it's a mass of electrons whirling around at incredible speed. It's a light body. But I don't see a light body. I see that prosaic girder. So what I know is not what I see, and for some reason I'm not troubled by that. Hmm. In fact, I would be troubled if I saw what I know it to be. Are you sure? <laughs> right? You might have a similar experience with God if you saw what you, anyway. When, however, the perfectly logical assumption is suggested underneath the material world and, and life as we see it, there is an all-powerful, guiding, creative intelligence. Right there, our perverse streak comes to the surface and we laboriously set out to convince ourselves it isn't so. We read wordy books and indulge in windy arguments thinking we believe this universe needs no God, needs no power to explain it. Isn't that a ridiculous thought on its face when we substitute the word? This universe needs no power to explain it? That's completely ludicrous. Were our contentions true, it would follow that life originated out of nothing, means nothing, and proceeds nowhere. Some people get disturbed by that description, but how many of you have to admit that in our active addiction, we look like that's what we believe? Instead of regarding ourselves as intelligent agents, spearheads of God's ever-advancing creation, we agnostics and atheists chose to believe that our human intelligence was the last word, the alpha and the omega, the beginning and end of all. Then they went to a question, rather vain of us, wasn't it? And we can read right by that and not consider how they went inward for guidance there. But they put a question mark, they went inward for guidance. So alpha and the omega, beginning and end. How many of you have concluded there were some other humans involved in the decision that brought you to this reality? <laughs> Did you have parents? Did they consult you prior? So there went Alpha. Got no clue on Alpha. Let's go to Omega. How many of you were surprised that you woke up many times in your active addiction? How many of you experienced a lot of people who did not get that opportunity? Any of you question why you and not them? Or so there went Omega. We don't know when the end's coming, do we? We think we do, but we don't know. How many of you have some vague recollections of perhaps years or subsets of years, decades? Any of you missed the 70s, 80s, <laughs> 90s? So I got nothing about, I got no idea of alpha, omega, or anything in between except glimpses. But I think I got all of this shit, right? 
So that would be rather vain of me. See why they concluded that now? So maybe I ought to pay attention because I don't know as much as I think I do. Okay. We who have traveled this dubious path beg you to lay aside prejudice even against organized religion. We have learned that whatever the human frailties of various faiths may be, those faiths have given purpose and direction to millions. Our fellowships do too. Where are you going to meet the people to serve if you don't meet them in our fellowship? You will be a better servant if you've gone through the program and are in the manner of living as described. Yeah? Because this, this book isn't written for how you should behave. This book is written for guys like me, so if I'll do what they say, it won't matter to me so much what you guys do and say. And if I don't have that kind of freedom from my thoughts about what you guys are doing, I need to medicate. In short order. Okay? People of faith have a logical idea of what life is all about. Actually, we used to have no reasonable conception whatever. We used to amuse ourselves by cynically dissecting spiritual beliefs and practices when we might have observed that many spiritually minded persons of all races, colors, and creeds were demonstrating a degree of stability, happiness, and usefulness which we should have sought ourselves. Instead, we looked at the human defects of these people and sometimes used their shortcomings as a basis of wholesale condemnation. Any of you ever quit AA because those people were just... Any of you ever quit a church for the same reason? Do you notice when you went back, they were still there and you're the one tore up from the floor up? <laughs> we always lack perspective, you know what I mean? <laughs> we, we talked of intolerance while we were intolerant ourselves. We missed the reality and the beauty of the forest because we were diverted by the ugliness of some of its trees. We never gave the spiritual side of life a fair hearing. So I'm going to jump from there to the bottom paragraph uh, on 50. It says, here are thousands of men and women worldly indeed. So we're now back to the authors, and they're telling the story of the first several thousand men and women who recovered. Okay. They flatly declare that since they've come to believe in a power greater than themselves, to take a certain attitude toward that power, and to do certain simple things, there's been a revolutionary change in their way of living and thinking. Now, for religious people to do that doesn't sound so huge, right? Atheists or agnostics declared, standing in a podium like this, flatly declaring that since I came to believe in a power greater than myself, it has revolutionized my way of living and thinking. Does that make sense? How profound this witness is? Because we, we forget in the theological world how profound this was for all the people we're supposed to be ministering to. And we forget in the recovery world that there's people dying in the churches because they haven't had the encounter they need either. Yeah? We're supposed to bridge the gap, not fight with one another. Okay? Um, so, what did I do here? Oh. To do certain simple things, there's been a revolutionary change in their way of living and thinking. In the face of collapse and despair, in the face of the total failure of their human resources, they found that a new power, peace, happiness, and sense of direction flowed into them. Does that sound theoretical, conceptual? No, it sounds experiential. And I won't even know the full effect until I start walking out the manner of living and serving. 
right? Because that's, really, that's when it really flows. The time I get the m- most abundant power greater than what I need is when I'm offering it to another. This happened soon after they wholeheartedly met a few simple requirements. So what are those? Still in two. Going to need a decision. Next we launched, right? How many of you? Three and right to 12. <laughs> so there's a preparation, a self-searching, leveling of pride, confession of shortcomings. The process requires that of me to come in a more relationship, a loving relationship with me because of the power that animates it. Okay? All right. So this happens soon after they wholeheartedly met a few simple requirements. Once confused and baffled by the seeming futility of existence, they show the underlying reasons why they were making heavy going of life. And I'm going to go to, from there I want to go, oh my goodness. So I'm going to go to 52, middle of the page, trying to keep an eye on time, and I wander sometimes. You may not have picked up. (laughs) Second paragraph, we, we had to ask ourselves why we shouldn't apply to our human problems the same readiness to change. So there is no solution to my alcoholic problem. The solution is don't drink, which I find impossible. (laughs) I'm baffled by the power to not do, escaping me. No wonder we're so exhausted on Saturday when we don't do our laundry. (laughs) It takes so much power to not do. Think how ridiculous we are as humans. So our human problem is what we're going to solve, not our alcoholic problem, which is why I would stop drinking and then I'd return to drinking because I had a human problem that went underdressed. Okay, so we're having trouble with personal relationships. Any of you ever have that little discovery? How many of you discovered it after you sobered up? People are motherfuckers, huh? And I'm a people. That was amazing discovery. <laughs> Guess what that made me? Um, yes. <laughs> exactly. So we were having trouble with personal relationships. We couldn't control our emotional natures. How many of you had that happen? Yes. What if we told you you were never designed to control your emotional nature? What if we told you that emotional nature was to make you a better servant and that you were just designed that you weren't your emotional nature, but you were the experiencer of your emotional nature, and we're going to improve your consciousness so that you can talk with emotion, experience emotion, and still use it as a tool instead of be the tool for that emotion. We were prey to misery and depression. We couldn't make a living, had a feeling of uselessness. We were full of fear. We were unhappy. Couldn't seem to be of real help to other people was not a basic solution to these bedevilments, more important than whether we see newsreels of lunar flight. And they're talking about the rights, but I didn't get into that tonight. So (laughs) the point of it is, they didn't show me this, I copped to it in one, so I took an act of faith without even knowing it. Now I'm agreeing that it's a human problem, not an alcoholic problem. My life is unmanageable because of these things, but I've already taken the necessary step of faith, and hopefully I've had the encounter with the power Yes, so I'm talking to something tangible. Okay, so in case that's not the case, let's read another page. So we're over on 53. 
first paragraph, logic is great stuff. We liked it. We still like it. It's not by chance that we were given the power to reason, to examine the evidence of our senses, and to draw conclusions. This is where he's laying out the case. If it doesn't make sense to you, then have the person explain it for you. And if they can't explain it simply enough, they don't understand it well enough. It should be, you should be able to examine what we offer you with your logical senses and move into it consciously. You can't move into a conscious relationship based on a lie. Does that make sense? So we're laying out the case, why we come to believe based on the experience we've had, right? Okay. So it says that that is one of man's magnificent attributes. We agnostically inclined would not feel satisfied with a proposal which does not lend itself to reasonable approach and interpretation. Hence, we are at pains to tell you why we think our present faith is reasonable. Why we think it's more sane and logical to believe than not to believe. Why we say our former thinking was soft and mushy when we threw up our hands in doubt and said, we don't know. How many of you got asked, why did you do that again? Oh, fuck, I don't know. <laughs> and then they screamed at you. Yes, you do. <laughs> so you made up some silly shit just to get them off your back. None of you know what I'm talking about? We have no explanation for the things we do. We don't even have any explanations for what we believe based on the way we're behaving, right? So, here, for my more religiously inclined, look at this, what they do. When we became alcoholics, when do we become alcoholics? They're going to tell us when we became alcoholics. Isn't that interesting how the book tells us? what's happening, because they're describing an experience. Not when you became alcoholic. How many of you drank long after everyone knew you were alcoholic? <laughs> so you didn't become alcoholic then just because someone else said so, right? You just went out and used heroin like a gentleman, right? <laughs> when we became alcoholics, who's we? First 100 and their first, sev first several thousand. Crushed by a self-imposed crisis we could not postpone or evade, we had to fearlessly face the proposition that either God is everything or else he's nothing. Wow, isn't that interesting? When I get reasonable enough, I will admit to anyone who's listening that I lack power. So I don't witness to you as an alcoholic unless I'm witnessing you to you about the redemption I've received. And so, religious folks, when you get upset that uh, you think I'm talking about a present condition, no, I'm not. I'm talking about a condition from which I was redeemed, just as the apostle Matthew calls himself Levi, and Matthew, an apostle of Christ, because he wanted you to know the miracle he had undergone. And if you're a drinker like me, the fact that I'm doing this years later is a freaking miracle. You understand? I'm self-evident, just like Ebby for Bill. There sat a miracle right across the table from me. That dude was worse than me, and look at that crazy bitch. So he is or he isn't, what's your choice to be? We already believe in power, and one's gotten it. And it's going to be a train wreck. 
and I've just encountered another power, and you tell me it's going to be redemption. Happy, joyous, and free. Alcoholic death. Pick one. But they laid out the case, didn't they? Somebody who felt that? A whole bunch of you felt that. They laid out the case so that it expressed itself within you. And some of you already made your decision. Because I felt you. How does me feeling you demonstrate that power? It might not if your prejudice is in the way, but we said there's one who has all power. That one is? And if we shared that power, then who do we share? There we go. Elementary, wasn't it? All right, then. All right. So arrived at this point, we were squarely confronted with the question of faith. We couldn't duck the issue. Some of us had already walked far over the bridge of reason toward the desired shore of faith. Notice how R in reason is capitalized. See, the spirit of reason, the person of the spirit, is going to lead me to the truth, with the truth, and I'm going to consciously moved into it because I'm examining it with my logical senses. Does that make sense? How many of you heard the rumors and then showed up at a meeting? And then you were having trouble in the meetings and someone said, have you tried the steps? Yeah. Oh, there's steps? <laughs> and then you tried the steps and someone introduced you to the power. He said, we call it power of God around here so we don't get confused because of its sensory nature. Right? And then pretty soon you started doing the work of that power, and you started to have more and more profound experiences. So this is the bridge of reason to the desired shore of faith. Just like I told you I had faith to go turn on the, change the temperature setting and then come back and sit down. Right? Okay. All right. So the outlines and promise of the new land had brought luster to tired eyes and fresh courage his flagging spirits, friendly hands had stretched out and welcomed. Does that describe your experience with coming to fellowship? Okay. Yes. We were grateful that reason, another capital R, had brought us so far. A lot of people say, I just decided to stop. Has he ever heard that silliness? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Dude, why didn't you decide to stop before you burned the fucking house down? Just a little bit further back. Before that five-year stretch you just said. Just notch it back a little. But somehow we couldn't quite step ashore. Perhaps we'd been leaning too heavily on reason. Uh-oh. Reason leads me to faith, but reason is not faith. Faith's based on experience. And I got to spend faith to get faith. And the more I spend, the more I have and I can't outspend it because all that I spend here is stored up for me in heaven, if you read another book. It's a great economy. So i got to do something quick because I'm going to have to get from here to there. So let's go over to... Uh, so I'm going to go to page 56 and let's talk about a guy, a religious fellow who decided that religious people were not so good because he was raised by a pastor. Many of us have had similar experiences or something similar. Okay, so I'm going to be on page 56. Our friend was a minister's son. He attended church school where he became rebellious at what he thought an overdose of religious education. Any of you been overdosed on religious education? For years thereafter, he was dogged by trouble and frustration. Business failure, insanity, fatal illness, suicide, 
These calamities in his immediate family embittered and depressed him. So those calamities, they told us that our consciousness of this idea for, for us, that God's idea for us is obscured by calamity, pomp, and worship. They're showing you exactly what this man's calamities were. So if we can relate to him, we understand why we're going to go inward and find out what that baggage is that's blocking consciousness, right? Post-war disillusionment over ever more serious alcoholism, impending mental and physical collapse brought him to the point of self-destruction. If you ever get so bad that you just wanted to be dead, but you weren't quite committed, <laughs> let's just jab myself one more time and see what happens. Right? Okay. One night when confined in a hospital, he was approached by an alcoholic who had known a spiritual experience. See, they don't call them alcoholics until they've been crushed by a self-imposed crisis that cannot postpone or evade. Until they're recovered, they don't call them alcoholics in this book. Does that make sense? So by the time this alcoholic came to him, he knew a spiritual experience. That's what he came to share. Okay? So our friend's gorge rose as he bitterly cried out, if there is a God, he certainly hasn't done anything for me. Any of you ever had a similar expression even if you didn't say it? But later, alone in his room, he asked himself this question inward. We always have that moment afterwards where we're like, oh, I might have just made a mistake. Is it possible that all the religious people I've known are wrong, inward again? While pondering the answer, he felt as though he lived in hell. How many of you have been in that space? Then like a thunderbolt, a great thought came. It crowded out all else. Any of you ever been in deep contemplation, the dark night of the soul, really looking inward, and all of a sudden a thought came to you like a shout? That's what he's talking about. So did it make you respond? Yes. Look at how he responds. The thought came to him, who are you to say there is no God? That would be disturbing, wouldn't it? It disturbed you right then, didn't it? This man recounts that he tumbled out of bed to his knees. In a few seconds, he was overwhelmed by the conviction of the presence of God. It poured over and through him with the certainty and majesty of a great tide at flood. The barriers he'd built through years were swept away. He stood in the presence of infinite power and love. He had stepped from the bridge to shore. For the first time, he lived in conscious companionship with his creation. That's a step two, folks. Next week, we'll look at a decision. Thank you very much. <laughs>